Apparently, they found another moon around here. Around here? Yeah. Interesting. I don't know how long it's going to... I'll have to look it up. We'll have to wait till next week so we can learn about yeah, this. Yeah, I'll have to look it up, but see what it's all about. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. It's your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. 109. Episode 109. This is unreal. Yeah, a lot of episodes, a lot of content out there. So, we're coming up on over... We're coming up on two years, or a year... I think we're past two years. Are we past two years? I think we started this in 2020. Was it 2020? I feel like it was. Or was it 21? Was it October 21? Isn't I thought it? it was October of 2020. That was the year we had Hudson. So was that the first year? I feel like, yeah. I feel like he was a baby. Yeah, you might be right. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So we are really... We've been, we've, been on, we've been on it for a while now. Doing a lot of content, that's for sure. Definitely. And we're not going to slow down either. Well, we'll see. Definitely. We're, <laughs> we're speeding up the process. I don't know about that. Anyways, the news never sleeps, does it, Ben? It does not. How many news stories you got today? I brought three. These are a little weak, but I got one that was sent in by a listener. So, Oh, nice. You can get started if you want. All right. This is the one that was sent in from a listener. This was sent in from Chad from Ohio. He's a good guy. Good listener. Solid listener of the show. I talk to him quite often. This is from WSBT.com. Hotel manager charged after guest woke up to him sucking on his toes. The fuck? Yes. It's as bad as it sounds. (laughs) A Nashville Hilton hotel guest woke up to a hotel night manager sucking on his toes, according to the Metro Nashville Police Department. The night manager... 52-year-old David Neal was arrested and charged with aggravated burglary and assault, police reported. <laughs> police report Neal created a key card to set foot in the guest's room about 5 a.m. on March 30th. After waking up to Neal sucking on his toes, the man realized Neal had entered his room the day before to help resolve a television issue. MNPD states. Officers report Neal told police he went into the guest room because of the smell of smoke. Police arrested Neal in Lebanon at his home Friday, according to detectives. So that's all that story has to talk about. So this is in Lebanon? It's in Nashville, but Lebanon, oh, oh, Lebanon's a suburb. Oh, okay. So to me, what's funny about this one, this guy, this David Neal guy, this hotel manager, entered this guy's room the day before. So he was scouting it out. Yeah, He was fixing sure. the television problem. He saw this guy and was like, I got to come back for more of this action. This, this guy, look at those toes. Look at those toes. <laughs> Unbelievable. Most so, disgusting thing ever. Really, I don't even know where to begin with that one. The guy's picture, he is worse looking than you would think it would be. But this looks like a guy that would suck on toes. I, I just don't. Like, what, what did you think would happen? I have no did, idea. Did this guy think he'd get away with it? I have no idea. Now, he's getting hit with burglary and assault. Yeah, no shit. So I, he deserves the charges. I mean, this could, yeah. be, this could be a felony. Yeah, for sure. So I don't even know where to begin. All I know is that if that guy was sucking on my toes and I woke up, it would not end well for that there, guy. There would be there would be no <laughs> trial. Yeah. There, would be, <laughs> there would be no investigation. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, that's all I got with that one. Thank you for from uh Thank, thank you, you, Chad. Thank you, Chad from Ohio. That was a good one. Solid guy. Great listener. Thank you. Thank you. My first one is from our favorite UPI Odd News. Wolverine spotted in California is only the second time in 100 years. I almost did this one. This one's great. I haven't read this one yet. Wildlife officials in California said a wolverine spotted on multiple recent occasions is only the second of its species to be seen in the state in the past 100 years. The California Department of Fish and Wildlife confirmed the wolverine was seen twice in the Inyo National Forest and once in Yosemite National Park. All the sightings occur in May, the department said. The wolverine was previously spotted in 2008 in the Truckee region of the Tahoe National Forest. That's where the Donner Party got stuck. The what party? <laughs> the Donner Party. The Donner Party. We talked about them on the podcast. The 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 cannibals that were traveling west, and they they even the the pioneers back in the eighteen hundreds. They were traveling west on oh, the wagon. Oh yeah, and they yeah, got yeah. Snowed in and they ended up eating each other. I remember that now. That's yeah, where, that's where they got stuck. No shit. Yep. That's crazy. Uh, and the animal was spotted on multiple subsequent occasions through. 2018. The recent sightings are believed to be a different wolverine from the earlier sightings due to the typical 12 to 13 year lifespan of the animals in the wild. Previous wolverine sightings in California were in the early 1920s. Wolverines can travel great distances, making it likely that the recent sightings are all the same animal. CDFW senior environmental scientist Daniel Gammons said in the news release, because only two wolverines have been confirmed in California during the last 100 years, these latest detections are exciting. That's the end of the article that's pretty cool very cool news story 
It's an animal I never think about. Wolverines are a very, very, very weird animal. For uh, sure. And we, we've talked about wolverines before on the podcast. One thing that stands out to me about wolverines, they don't have an estimation in terms of the population of wolverines. Because, like like the article mentions, they're so, they have such a wide range. They, they've never been able to figure out how many of these things actually exist out there. That's crazy. No, I don't think, I think the last wolverine in Michigan died a few years ago. So there's no more wolverines in Michigan. They're pretty much a northern, like Canada, Rocky Mountain type animal at this point. But they're so transient, I guess. I don't understand how these animals even exist. That's awesome. Like, I, I never yeah. think of wolverines. Like, I've never seen one, I don't think. You probably uh, haven't. It's a very rare animal to see. They're very transient. They don't have packs or anything. It's usually one wolverine on its own. I don't know how the hell they mate because there's so many of them just, like, wandering around. We'll have to do a separate episode on wolverines. Maybe Tim knows yes. about something about wolverines. He probably does. I'm obsessed with wildlife patterns recently. There's this documentary on Netflix about chimpanzees that is so fucking good. It's like Game of Thrones, but chimpanzees, basically. <laughs> it really... It's it's like Chimp Kingdom or something. We went and watched that, Paige and I. It, I'm it, sure Paige did. It just came out, so it's a brand new one. Oh. But it's it's intense. Like, you really get into this fucking chimpanzee shit. <laughs> like, there's a war going on between the chimpanzees and the different Chimps tribes. are smart, man. They're Crazy. smart, and their their society is so structured, and like the power is like so yeah, clearly defined. It was it's very interesting. I got to keep watching it. But. Yeah, for sure. Wolverines. I'd like to see it. a similar documentary, but on wolverines. Anyways, I got one more. I got two more actually. Yeah, what else you got? This one comes from one of our favorite sources, Sky News. One-legged British crime boss jailed after five years on the run. <laughs> I don't know why I find that shit funny. A one-legged British organized crime boss has been jailed following extradition from Thailand after five years on the run. Richard Wakeling, 55, from Brentwood, Exus, was found guilty of attempting to import 8 million euros worth of liquid amphetamine, Mm. a Class B drug, into the UK in 2016. Wakeland fled in 2018 before his trial was due to begin and was sentenced to 11 years in his absence at the Clemsford Crown Court, the National Crime Agency said. I could get on to it for uh, a while. He, he was smuggling drums of drugs across the channel, which we've talked about before. He had a, kind of an elaborate plan going on. Ooh, the head of investigations in this article is Jacques Beer. <laughs> B-E-E-R. Nice. But, you know, it's just kind of funny. One-legged guy on the run. On the run. I guess he's got a prosthetic limb. I feel like you've done another article like that before. I feel like you Similar. did. Wasn't it the... Did I? The... Florida man with no arms and no hands. Oh, that was like one of our first episodes. Yeah. That was one of our, <laughs> like the fifth episode or something. Something like that. Yeah, it's kind of a weak news story, but I thought it was kind of funny. That was funny. Anyways, what else you got? Uh, I have one as well from Sky News. No shit. South Korea uses AI to weigh North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. This is funny because I don't have this one, but I have a similar one coming up. <laughs> South Korea does not say what software has been used to estimate Kim Jong-un's weight, but cites an intelligent report that suggests the North Korean leader may be battling insomnia. He appeared tired with clear dark circles around his eyes during the public appearance on May 16th. He was estimated to weigh over 140 kilograms, according to AI analysis. Yo Sang Bum, a member of the Parliamentary Intelligence Committee, told reporters after the briefing by the National Intelligence Service. He did not say what software had been used, but said the North Korean leader was believed to be suffering from a severe sleeping disorder, citing an intelligence report that North Korea had been intensively collecting the latest medical information on insomnia treatment for its top official. South Korea's spy agency is monitoring the possibility of Kim Jong-un falling into a vicious cycle of increased dependence on alcohol and nicotine and experiencing worsening insomnia given the large amount of foreign cigarettes and snacks being shipped into North (laughs) He added. (laughs) The North Korean leader's heavy frame has drawn global interest since he became the country's leader almost a decade ago. It goes on a little more, but uh, yeah, I thought that was funny. I mean... Here's a picture of him in 21. He's actually slimmed down a lot. Yeah. But that's probably from the drugs and alcohol that he's been... Probably. ...that he's been taking. He lives a hard lifestyle, that's for sure. He's only in, like... He's got to be, what, early 40s at this point? Yeah, he's like 41. He's not that old, which yeah. is weird. Yeah, he's got no. all these health problems. There have been plenty of instances where they've been like, yeah, we're pretty sure he's dead. But he keeps coming <laughs> back. He keeps coming back for more. He keeps coming back. Um, there's got to be something going on with the North Korean health system that's keeping this guy alive. They're probably putting every resource they got... In into this guy to keep him alive. Maybe they're on to something that the world needs to know about. Yeah, because this dude, like, like before, he just, like, he got fat. Like, he just keeps eating. No, he can ball and, a little bit. He plays some basketball, though. Yeah, according to that one movie, the interview. No, but it's also, like, he 
met Kobe. He didn't. Kobe didn't realize it at the time because he was an exchange student in Sweden. Oh yeah, that's right. But there's right. there's a photo of him with his chubby Chinese guy, <laughs> and it was Kim Jong Un. That's funny. But you ever see the movie, the interview? Yeah, I did. It's pretty funny. It's a pretty good movie for sure. Remember, remember the controversy that that movie caused? Yes. That was one of the most absurd aspects of our world that we've ever seen. It's ridiculous. But it was a great movie. Anyways, we're going to stay with North Korea on this one. This one's going to come from unwatch.org. North Korea wins leading role at World Health Organization. (laughs) Jesus. The North Korean regime, which is led by Kim Jong-un, who you were just talking about. Right. Which starves its own people while spending billions on threatening the world with nuclear weapons, has been rewarded by being elected to a leading role in the World Health Organization, a.k.a. WHO. At the annual gathering of the WHO member states, which ended on May 30th, Kim Jong-un's North Korea won a seat at the WHO Executive Board on a slate with nine other countries. What this means is that one of the world's most horrific regimes is now part of a group that sets and enforces the standards and norms for the global governments of healthcare. It is an absurd episode for the key UN agency that is in much need of self-reflection and reform, says Hayel Neuer, executive director of UN Watch, an independent non-government human rights group in Geneva. A seat on the executive board provides North Korea with a vote on the appointment of the WHO's six regional directors and potentially on eventual replacement for Tedros Adadam Jebrusus, the director general now serving in his second and final term. North Korea was elected in a slate with other nominees by a secret ballot. 123 nations voting yes. <laughs> Three abstinations and six spoiled ballots with 35 countries absent. Normally elections are held by consensus, but Russia challenged Ukraine's nomination and so a vote was held. <laughs> <laughs> The right signal for the UN to the North Korea regime would be an overdue referral to the International Criminal Court and a call to investigate and prosecute Kim Jong-un's heinous crimes against humanity. Not an election to an organization that sets the standards for global health, said Neuer. Other countries joining the executive board are Australia, Barbados, Cameroon, Comoros, Lesotho, Qatar, Switzerland, Togo, and the Ukraine. Neuer added that North Korea will remain a part of the WHO's executive board for at least the next three years, allowing the current supreme leader of North Korea, Kim Jong-un, to influence the WHO's agency policies, and appointments. If the WHO is to be effective and credible, the agency must be held to the highest standards, said Neuer. The election of North Korea sends the worst possible message <laughs> at a precarious time for the global agency. So, it should be noted that the WHO is a joke at this it's point. It's 100% a the, joke. If the coronavirus didn't expose that, who knows? I mean, if, if you still believe in the WHO after the coronavirus, you, what's, you have to be drinking some Kool-Aid that... What's, what's funny is... I, North Korea didn't even release any of their COVID numbers until like late 2022 or something like that. And they they completely lied about those numbers for sure. But there's so much disturbance in this. It's yeah. Like the WHO is the, the governing world body for healthcare, supposedly. And they're going to elect North Korea to the fucking <laughs> executive board. It's unbelievable. And 123 countries are like, yep, this is a good idea. Let's do this. I don't know if this is even reality anymore, honestly. <laughs> the like, WHO like, who, who, who is making these decisions? Like, who are, who are the heads of these countries making these decisions? I don't know, but... Can't world, someone just step in and be like, no? Everyone criticizes the U.S., and the U.S. has its issues, but what are we doing on a global I, scale? I don't even understand this. Because the U.S. pulled out of the WHO. Trump did, didn't he? I think they did. Yeah. I don't know if Biden will. Biden out. probably will. Probably would. No, we can't get too, too much deeper into this. Anyways, I just thought that was really funny. That is I don't funny. have anything else for news today. You got any more, Ben? I have one more. It's quick. It's actually kind of a sad one. I don't even know why I'm doing it. Oh, God. But this is from NPR, Pat's oh, favorite. It's a sad news source. An Indiana man is dead after a grenade found in grandfather's belongings exploded. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Indiana man is dead after a grenade discovered in grandfather's belongings detonated. According from a post in Lake County Sheriff's Department, officers responded to a call of an explosion before 6.30 p.m. Saturday night in the community of Lakes on the Four Seasons. The family was looking through their grandfather's belongings when they found a handheld explosive device and it went off. Somebody reportedly pulled the pin on the device and it detonated. Sheriff Oscar Martinez Jr. said, statement. Responders found an adult male unresponsive at the scene. He was later declared dead. The man's two children, 14-year-old boy, 18-year-old woman, were wounded by shrapnel transported nearby a hospital. An investigation is ongoing. Then it basically just goes into be be careful with leftover relics from wars. Yeah. But well, that's uh, definitely sad. 
That's sad, but like, who pulls I, the pin? I, on I that? find it hard to believe one of the kids pulled the pin. This guy pulled the. Pin. This guy pulled the pin. Yeah, I think. Uh, why the hell are you pulling the pin, dude? Like, I, I I feel bad. It's terrible, but come on. Why the hell did you pull the pin? That's I don't tough. Know. I don't That's know. tough. Yeah. You know, and you know. I mean, grenades um, are scary, and it's partially the grandfather's fault for having that hidden away. Yeah, but you know, a lot of veterans bring back shit. Yeah, from exactly. Wars. My my grandpa has a uh, he has a uh, a Japanese rifle with a bayonet on it. Really? Yeah, he brought that back from Okinawa. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool, but uh, that sucks. Sorry to end the news cycle yeah, like that. We can we, we we can take that out if we want. It's a very <laughs> no, that's a very scary scary story, if you will, and that'll lead us right into our main topic. That will lead us into our main topic, Pat. What is our main topic? Because this is going to be your episode. I really I'm going to debate that this week. I, I owned up to the time travel one being my episode. This one is not going to be my episode. But this week we're going to be talking about. I'm hoping I have this this right. The most feared people in history. Yeah, sure. I know it's it's very. Very vague, but incredibly vague. I didn't really know how to attack this one. Me neither. But we're going to be talking about some of the people that invoke the most fear <laughs> over history. <laughs> so, Ben, since you came up with this idea, and this is going to be your episode, do you want to elaborate a little bit on this topic before we dive in? Sure. I mean, it's just, you know, people who instilled fear in the public or, you know, in whatever situation. Like, I have one football guy that was, like, the most feared football player. You sure. know what I'm saying? I kind of like, thought A scary about, player to, to play against. I kind of thought about going that route. I did more historical figures, like people that... Sure, that's basically, I, that's what I did. Like, I was thinking but. about, like, Mike Tyson as a feared boxer. Yeah, yeah. But outside of the hangover, he really doesn't assault the citizens too much. Sure. So. Exactly. Anyways, Ben, since this is your episode, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? All right, I'll kick us off. First one I got. You ever heard of the Golden State Killer? Yes. Yeah, so this guy, Joseph James D'Angelo. Okay. At one point was the most feared criminal in the country. Between 1974-1986, he burgled 120 people and killed 13 people. Yikes. Now, what's crazy is they didn't know who in the hell this guy was until 2018. This guy was... On the run, not on the run, but he was eluding police for all that time until 2018 when new DNA evidence came out. Okay, I remember this one now. Yep. But this dude was straight evil. He would call and taunt the victims and the police. One of his victims escaped, and he would, like, call her and shit and leave her messages like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. How fucking terrible is that? Yeah. When you're the one victim that gets away, and this, sure. and this guy just doesn't leave you alone, and he's never caught. This person has to live in fear, like, her entire life, basically. Sure. Which is terrible. Um. He was also a, a cop himself once, so he knew how to, you know, he knew how to cover his tracks and evade police and all that shit. Uh, but yeah, he was caught in 2020. Not good enough, though. And uh, he was sentenced to life in prison, and he'll never get out because he was like 76 by the time he was sentenced. Sure. So the so, Golden State Killer killed 13 people, multiple burglaries. Yeah, that's was, a good one. He, he was a scary. He was a scary dude. A lot of people feared him. That's a good one because of the amount of fear that he invoked during that time. He did a lot of fear. And my next guy is one that um, is very similar. This guy's also still alive, and I don't know if he was necessarily the most feared, but he was one of the more prolific serial killers out there and this is gonna be gary ridgeway also known as the green river killer yes similar part of the world if you will yep now he ended up being convicted of 48 murders mostly Jesus. of prostitutes and like runaway girls and whatnot yep now he did most of his killings between 1982 and 1984 around the green river in washington west coast yep and he was targeting women that were going to be probably not, like, immediately, like, chased after. Yeah, people aren't going to so, be out looking for him. They're not going to be looking out for hookers or right. runaways or whatever. They're going to be, they're not They're not going to notice when they disappear, I guess, is the best way to put that. Now, this guy did most of his action during that time, but there's evidence that he might have been killing afterwards for a while. And he was even arrested back in 1982. And he was thought of as a suspect in these killings that started popping up. Now, he would hide the bodies and he would do things to the bodies that we can't get into after the fact. Sure. But he was caught and they took samples of him because he was arrested hiring a hooker. Prostitution charges is what he took. And he passed a polygraph test. Damn. And they were like, well, you know, we don't have enough to go on. You're just a person of interest, basically. So they let him go. This dude must have been, like, super calm and, like, been able to keep his cool. Yeah, that's part of his issue. And he wasn't arrested until November of 2020 or 20, 
01. Jesus. So he did most of his time between 82 and 84. And they keep finding these bodies. And then all of a sudden, it sort of stops. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's not arrested until 17 years later. Unreal. Now, he had confessed to a total of 71 murders by now, but he's suspected in up to 90. And he avoided the death penalty by agreeing to help prosecutors find some of the bodies and whatnot. So what what was his reign of terror again? 1982 to 82 84. to 84. So relatively he, short. But for all, that is unreal in that short amount of time. Like, I'm sure. Yeah, he was he, convicted of 48 murders. Convicted of 48 that is I mean, that's got to be all the hookers in Washington. Yeah, it can't be literally, literally, literally. Yeah. And they had him arrested. They had already. him. And they, they already could, fucking yeah. had him. Oh, and it wasn't terrible. until they, they found something, they still had like a hair sample that he gave years later that they ran, just, just run and test. That's how they ended up connecting him, like like seriously connecting him to a murder. Unbelievable. Well, at least they got him, but. Yeah, he's still alive, though. He's never going to get out, but. Yeah. For sure. He's serving 48 consecutive life sentence terms in addition of 480 years. Yeah, he ain't ever getting out. <laughs> so that's my first one. That was a good one. Yep. Uh, my second one here, um, it was kind of hard to choose because there's a lot of a lot of hard-nosed football players out there. Sure. But from what I read, this guy made the top of the list is Dick Buckus. Yeah. Arguably the most ferocious football players of all time, if not the most feared linebacker to ever play. This dude's goal was to punish the ball carrier on every play. Yep. Like um, another guy that was on some of the lists that I saw, Deacon Jones. We jo- talked about Jones. him on the. Uh... He, I, I said, I read something that he said in an interview once is this dude, he wanted to put you in the grave yeah. every time he hit you. He wanted to put you in the cemetery. And uh, allegedly, he liked to snarl like a dog on the field and he would uh, bite people in pileups. And also, uh, he would like to poke people in their eyes through their, um, through their face masks and stuff. And sure. he would not let anyone talk shit about him. Like, if you talk shit about him in an interview, like before the game, he would like try and fight you. Uh, in, 1969, the Lions running back, Alty Taylor, um, he was forced into the stands because Dick Buckus like, ran him off the field <laughs> getting ready to fight him because uh, Alty Taylor said something like he was overrated in a, um, after the last time they played. He said it in an interview, and Dick Buckus was going to call him out. Uh, one time, he intercepted a pass from Vikings quarterback Fran Tarkington, and this was near the goal line. And in, instead of just taking the ball for an easy touchdown, he literally just runs right towards Fran Tarkington just so that he can just fucking run him over with the ball. <laughs> Dude is just a straight menace. Could have just got an easy touchdown, but yep. decided he wanted to run over Fran Tarkington. Um, but even with his shortened career, with his injuries, he still had over 1,000 tackles, 1,020 tackles, 22 interceptions, 27 fumble recoveries. Which was a record when he died. I just read about him. Sorry. Well, I don't think is he is he dead. No, no, he's not dead. He was retired when he retired. retired. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, Dick Buckus. He's only eighty-one, so he's still hanging in there. Yeah, he he was in a lot of movies and stuff after he retired as well. So he. Yeah. To me, I always will know him as the Butt Kiss Award. Sure. <laughs> the linebacker, the linebacker award. Mm-hmm. I know Paul Puzlesny won it one year. Paul who? Paul Puzlesny. Who the fuck's that? He played for the Jaguars. He didn't retire that long. He played at Penn State. Oh, nice. He played for the Jaguars and the Bills. I think I just read that Monte Teo retired. Is retiring. Oh, yeah. let's see if Monte Teo is a Butt Kiss Award winner. I don't think so. I bet you he is. He probably is. Let's see. Recipients. College. Monte Teo. Teo won it in 2012. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa won it in 2020. Yeah, he's a good player. Didn't the Browns draft him? They did. He's still a Brown. Von Miller won it in 2010. Patrick Willis won it in 2006. Solid Paul, linebacker. Paul Puzlesny won it in 2005. Nice. No Steelers that I'm looking at. It's okay. Now, they do they do give it out as well for a professional player. T.J. Watt did get it in 2020 as a professional. I'll tell you what. Every, every top 10 feared linebacker list... <clears throat> Out there had at least three Steelers on it. Manti Teo wanted as a high school player in 2008. Wow, Manti Teo. They give it out to the high school, <laughs> college, and professional. The Dick Butkus Award. I almost did James Harrison for this episode, but I was like, eh, I gotta do Dick Butkus. See, he didn't win the Butkus Award, so like, we can't consider him. He was, I think James Harrison was undrafted out of Kent State. Yeah, but he didn't win the Butkus Award, so I don't care. James Harrison was a menace. I miss I miss him. He'd probably still play. Actually, I should probably see if he ever did win the Buckus Award. 
If you want, I'm going to be pissed. Nope. Luke Keekly, Luke Keekly, Luke Keekly, Clear Mac, Luke Keekly, Clear Mac, DeMarcus Ware, Trell Suggs, Clay Matthews, DeMarcus Ware, Patrick Willis. I mean, those Chandler are Jones, those are all fair. Micah <laughs> Parsons won it in 2021, and Roquan Smith won it in 2022 as a pro. Roquan Smith won it? As a pro. He did win it. He did win it at Georgia back in 2017, too. And the college one's the real one. So so in the NFL, that basically means you're like the best linebacker that yeah, year. According to these people. I don't know if Roquan Smith was the best linebacker. Last year. Jack Campbell won it in uh, in 2022 as a college player. Hmm. Drafted by the Lions. So, yeah, Dick Buckus, very interesting. Sorry, we kind of had like an interlude, if you No, know. no, you're good. It worked out. No, we're, we got to completely change gears <laughs> because we're going to 18th century French, uh, France now. Nice. Have you ever heard of Maximilien de Rosepierre? I saw this guy on a bunch of the lists. Yeah. But back when I was taking European history in college, this guy pretty much dominated like a good chunk of the course. Essential figure of the French Revolution, Robespierre remains one of, if not the, most controversial figures in French history today. Having in no small part to do with the fall of the French monarchy and the execution of Louis Sixteenth in August of 1792, Maximilien de Robespierre basically ended up as a advocate of the people, if you will, during the French Revolution, but ended up assuming a lot of power as the whole thing kind of took off. Now, the French Revolution is literally the most convoluted piece of history that I've ever studied before. There's so much going on, none of it actually makes any sense. And you got like factions within factions within factions, and you got so much shit going on. But basically what they were trying to do was overthrow the the monarchy. But they weren't, there wasn't really like an effective way of doing what they were trying to do. It's only the American Revolution, which happened earlier, where they were clearly fighting the British and trying to gain independence and kind of start anew. This was, there's a lot of old, like institutionalized nobility and structures and whatnot. So you're trying to overthrow that while keeping the country operating at the same time. Yeah. Because the country was operating, wasn't operating efficiently. And people thought like the royal family had too much was getting away with too much and having too much luxury but they were also had a whole bunch of like wars in europe going on and all that shit so there was there's a shit ton of shit going on sure and rose pierre kind of rose up as a advocate advocate of democracy and he claimed that he was like the most moral person of all time sure now (laughs) he was born and he ended up getting into college and ended up with a law degree by the age of 21 but he was just kind of like dicking around in parisian politics for a while he was very 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 far left in terms of the political spectrum back then and at our time now but he had this whole like overarching like i'm like morally superior type of a thing going on as well and he really he was divisive in many ways because on one side he was an advocate of like the pure democracy that a lot of people like to go for but at the same time the means of by which he tried to achieve some of this shit was very controversial violated the rights of other people exactly (laughs) so louis the 16th ended up being the last king of that dynasty of the french monarchy basically and they were able to they put together this whole coalition and they stormed the bastille and there's a whole it's very romanticized like they're like oh we stormed the bastille we we freed the prisoners as part of a revolution and there was literally seven people in prison with the bastille (laughs) during that but there's a whole fucking holiday bastille there's a whole holiday for that unreal and it's just it's it's so france is the most convoluted and crazy country that's ever existed but there was a thousand years of the same royal family ruling that came to an end in no small part because of Robespierre. now in 1792 they ended up overthrowing the king and marie antoinette was the queen at the time and they basically defrocked them and just made them like citizens of the country <laughs> and then there ended up being some there was like this whole thing where you had like the first estate and the second estate and the third estate and there were all these like little like like councils and whatever and somehow the third estate which was a lower class ended up saying fuck you to the first estate and the second estate and they formed their own little convention at a tennis court and I'm fucking all this history up but somehow Rosepierre kind of rose up towards the top of that sure and he ended up becoming the uh I got it here somewhere he was in charge of the committee of public safety and he was part of a group group of 12 rulers of France back in April of 1793. So this like council of the 12 and he was like the head of the Department of Public Safety or whatever. <laughs> and this was after they had a different convention and they voted by one vote to execute the king. <laughs> so they took him to the guillotine and that was Jeez. the end of that guy. <laughs> it's like they convicted him but they were going to let him like loose a little in prison. But 
there ended up being like one extra vote and they ended up executing him instead. Jesus. So as part of the public safety, and he was before that, he was like the the like the public accuser who was in charge of like pointing his fingers, like the prosecutor kind of. Sure. But he ended up spearheading what became the reign of terror. Where they were taking people to the guillotine left and right. Any way they thought was part of the old state, the old established ability, and was like sympathetic towards that was getting guillotined. So there were clergymen, priests, bishops getting guillotined. There was Everybody. nobles getting guillotined. And then even within the revolution, it's like you have like the right wing of the revolution who wanted to overthrow the monarchy for their own reasons. You had the ultra left and you have these centrists and there are all these different factions and they all hated each other because they couldn't, they couldn't organize. Right. Because there, there was no organization in any of this shit. It was literally the most ridiculous period of history ever. And a lot of people are going to argue that, oh, it was the most influential revolution of history. But this was just fucking chaos that broke out. <laughs> And this dude ended up just kind of like skimming to the top. But at one point, he was the one calling the shots in terms of who was getting executed. Like, he was the reign of terror. He was the face of the reign of terror. Unreal. But pretty much overnight, his allies got overthrown. And the reign of terror came down on him. He was te- <laughs> he was technically the last person executed of his own reign of terror. Unreal. He took the guillotine yeah. in 1794. And all this chaos paved the way for a bright up-and-coming military officer named Napoleon. Bonaparte mm. to rise to power, and he ended up coalescing all this, <laughs> crowning himself emperor, and basically reinstituting the monarchy within like <laughs> within like ten years. So that's so, what that's what's so ridiculous about the fucking French Revolution is it's just it's literal chaos. You got the Jacobins and the Jacobites. So all them people lost their heads for nothing, <laughs> pretty much. That's terrible. And, and then, impaled by his own sword. Pretty much. So that's Maximilian de Robespierre. Very influential. I butchered that entire story. No, that was but, good. That was a good history. Like, th- this is a college lecture over several weeks. It was very interesting. But it's just, it's fucking chaos. I feel like every time you learn more about the French Revolution, it gets more and more complicated and ridiculous. Sounds like it. But what else would you expect from France? Nothing more. Anyways, what else you got to say, Ben? <laughs> My next one are the Vikings. I'm not talking about the football team. Okay. I'm talking about the fierce Nordic tribal warriors whose business was basically like coastal sting operations. Yes. And they excelled at it. The Vikings would target monasteries along the coast, raid the towns for their treasures, and destroy what was left. So, like, if you were, like, a monk or a nun in a remote religious community, you're, like, a fisher, fisherman, peasant, farmer, you're fucked. Yeah. You, you were getting hit. And if you were vulnerable, you were getting hit because they were smart about it. Definitely. Um, they had these, like, long ships, and they had great navigation skills. And these long ships carried, like, 50 to 100 well-armed men about to plunder your community. And these guys were freaking fierce, too, bro. Definitely. Like, they would kill all the dudes. They would enslave the kids, the women. They were nasty, man. They, um, um, they would move from target to target, and if they noticed that there was an area that was, like, heavily guarded or whatever, they would just skip it. And then go to the next one. Yep. And, and that that was part of their strategy. And, like, they never engaged in, like, big battles. And they, were ne- they never formed, like, a big moving, like, army or anything like that. Yeah. So they were never fully eradicated. Because they were never, they never fought in a big battle. They never, no one ever had the chance to eradicate them. Exactly. They just kept moving around, moving around. Yep, they were very, uh... They would do raid and pillage, basically. Yep, and they were highly feared amongst those type of people, the monasteries, the yeah. people living on the coast, basically. It was their attacks on the monasteries is where they really kind of took off, because you got to think about a monastery. There's no security at a... If, if, if right. the church anoints this place as a place of prayer, there's no real need for security, because who's going to go fuck with it? Especially at a time when the church was the all-seeing power. You get accused of fucking with a monastery, you may as well march yourself to the guillotine. Right. Exactly. So the Vikings obviously didn't didn't care about that because they were pagan back at that time. But there's no guards there. They're just picking on the nerds, basically, is what it was. Right. And I don't know if this is true, but this professor from I, I don't know where he I don't know where he was from, but it was from uh, he he wrote in the the website called Quora. You ever hear of that website? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a Reddit. Yep. Uh, he was saying that the Vikings basically were done because they fell in love 
with a bunch of different types of women and they basically disseminated from the viking culture and that's basically that's basically yeah. what happens to the, the vikings it's they not didn't, surprising like they didn't get killed off they didn't get defeated yeah they basically just chose different lives <laughs> sure yeah that makes sense i guess love prevails but they also were the first people to land in america which is crazy that's true and uh but i mean the monasteries were easy targets because they had a lot of treasure there yes Exactly. A lot of items that would have had value for the pagan monks, even, or the pagan Vikings. So, I don't know. It's a very interesting one. Yep. Very good. Vikings, what else you got? I got one more before I get into my honorable mentions. And we always hear about the, the mob, the mafia. Yep. La Cosa Nostra. This guy was the mobster and all mobsters. Salvatore, Salvatore, Rina, R-I-I-N-A. Also known, known as Toto the Short in Italian. He was an Italian mobster and chief of the Sicilian Mafia. So, we all know about the mafia, the Italian mob, and how it originated in Sicily. But the mob has this, it's like integrated in Sicilian culture to the point where they held vast amounts of power. Now, they hold some in like southern Italy, but most of it's like congregated in Sicily, the little island off the coast of Italy. That's mm-hmm. part of Italy. Right. Now, Salvatore Rina was probably the most brutal crime boss I've ever read about. Now, this isn't something that was on my radar until I started working on this episode. This guy was born, ironically, in Corleone, Sicily, which, if you ever seen The Godfather, is the hometown of Vito Corleone, who is the Don, Don Corleone. Yep. That's where he was born, was this Corleone, Sicily. And in the movies, Michael, played by Al Pacino, goes back to Corleone a couple times and kind of hangs out there, basically, for fun. Quick side note, I almost did a news story about Al Pacino today. Oh, how he's got that that kid at like eighty four years old or something. Yeah, well, apparently he requested for a DNA test. <laughs> yeah, was... <laughs> I guess this woman. I guess this woman. This she's like twenty nine and she fucks yeah. around with. Yeah, she's been fucking around with Mick Jagger and now yeah, she's Mick fucking Jagger around and... with Al Pacino. <laughs> That's just her thing. <laughs> she's got a type. Anyways, uh, so this guy was brutal. Now, he picked up his first murder as, like, a teenager. He killed somebody. He he picked up his first murder as a young man. And it's like, he claims that, like, or he claimed that, like, 40 bodies himself. Now, he was born in 1930. So, we're thinking, we're talking, like, war-torn Sicily. Because it's like, World War One wasn't as bad, but World War Two especially yeah. in Sicily was, was, very bad. was rough. And he had, I guess, his brother died early and his father died there was a big incident where there's a bomb in the house or something and jesus just shit happened so it was there was a lot going on as a little kid and with, where this guy really separated himself was who he would target now he ended up seceding luciano legio as the head of the corleosi crime family in the 1970s but the range of violence that he would instigate was unlike anything that the Costa nostra had seen previously usually they would let innocent people go unless there was a big reason where Salvatore Rini would separate from that is he would target civilians as a distraction and he Jesus. he lifted the ban or there was there's an understood code that you don't touch women or children he didn't care about that he didn't care about that he would kill whoever he had to um there was a hitman that claimed that he had carried out over 100 murders under this guy's orders now what made this guy so feared is he would murder judges prosecutors policemen like in volume like it wasn't like one here one there he would kill whoever the fuck he felt like he had to and he would kill not only to protect himself but to prove a point right and this was going on like he didn't get arrested until 1993 now he was a fugitive for a long time but this was going on for (laughs) like the the 80s and 90s through the 80s and 90s this shit was going on and like at one point they put together this uh this like anti-mafia coalition or whatever and the top cop in charge of this guy named falcone he had this guy killed and was killing cops along with him Unreal. It was just just brutal, just brutal shit that was going on. And he was also, like, calling shots, like, on the state side. Like, he was giving, like, orders to, like, John Gotti and shit through the commission to try to pull off some stuff. Because the mafia claims it's one whole organization. Sure. It really isn't. There's no way. They kind of act. They, they, <laughs> they pretend that they are. But, like, car bombings in the 80s, they were they were doing some crazy shit back then. And this guy was the, was the point man of it. 
Now, he finally got convicted in the 90s, and they had to really, like, put him in, like, maximum security so he couldn't run the organization from prison. It was very, very, very confined in terms of how they imprisoned him. They seized over $125 million in assets. Damn. From his mansion and everything else that he had. And he was given 26 life sentences by the time he was finally convicted. And he only died in 2017. So he was living Damn, for that Damn, he long. lived a long time. He lived until he was, like, 87 years old or something. Crazy. Damn. So... Salvatore Arena. I don't know why that was the one of the more ridiculous stories, and I butchered that. Like I've, I've never even that. heard of it. I haven't heard of him either. <laughs> but probably because he's from Sicily. I've always heard that the uh, the Sicilian mafia was much more brutal than what we're used to in the United States with the American oh, mafia. Oh, I'm sure. But I mean, this was like intimidating the entire island. Like this guy controlled the entire island and unreal. was just pulling strings. But everybody, everybody, anybody could have been a victim. He would cause crimes just to distract the police. He would murder people just to distract them from where he was other otherwise working. Unreal. So that one, to me, that one was brutal. Uh, the the bishops in Sicily said, we're not giving this guy a Catholic funeral. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, this guy don't deserve it. But it's also kind of funny, too, that he was born and raised in Corleone, Sicily, which is where Don that, Corleone yeah, was. Yeah, that is hardcore. Like, this guy would have, like, rose to power, like, right after the Godfather would have been a thing. So, like, how weird is that? Like, how weird is that? That's weird. That is weird. So, anyway, crazy. Yeah, well. Like, imagine watching that and knowing that you're the real fucking Godfather. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> this guy's literally me. That Anyways, that's all I got with that. Do you have any more, Ben? Yeah, I can get through this guy. I have the most on him, but I can get through him quick. Sure. You ever heard of Ivan the Terrible? Yes, I didn't bring this one. This was this would have been a good one to bring. This is the Russian ruler, also called Ivan the Fourth, born August twenty fifth, fifteen thirty, near Moscow, and he died March eighteenth, fifteen eighty four. Uh, he was Grand Prince of Moscow, fifteen thirty three to eighty four, and he was first proclaimed the first proclaimed Tsar of Russia in fifteen forty seven. This guy was one of the most paranoid, bloodthirsty, and unpredictable men ever rule in Russia. He was terrible. Now, I'm sure a lot of it stemmed from his childhood. His childhood was pretty shitty. His dad died when he was three. His mom died when he was eight. He had a deaf-mute brother. Um, who The two of them were basically tossed around as objects through various families of nobility uh, during that time. Because his, his dad was the Grand Prince of Russia as well. After he died... He claimed the throne, but he was only three years old. Sure. So his mom took over until she died. And um, they were treated horribly to the point of starvation. Um, uh, when he was older and he ended up getting full power on his 16th birthday, he honestly didn't do that bad of a job starting out as ruler. He got married, and um, there wasn't really anything he did terribly bad his first couple years on the throne. Um, He introduced reforms that included an update to the penal code. Uh, He established uh, the Standing Army Introduction to Regional Self-Governance. He introduced the first printing presses into Russia and ordered a construction of the St. Basil's Cathedral following the conquest of the Tartar region of Kazan. So, like, this this guy actually did a lot early on in his reign. Sure. When he went off the wall was when his wife was killed. Well, when his wife died. And at the time, he claimed that she was poisoned. But at the time, there was no evidence. But I guess in, like, modern times, I can't remember which year. It was in the 2000s. They were able to, um, they, like, dug up her grave, his wife's grave. And they were able to find traces of mercury in, like, her bones or something. I don't even know. But they found traces of mercury on her, which could point to him being right that they poisoned her. Yeah, no shit. And he went off the rails after his wife died. Um, He suspected all the people around him of poisoning her. I guess he had a really close friend that betrayed him as well during this time. So he just completely went off the rail. Um, This escalated his paranoia and his mental instability, motivated him to torture and kill anyone who perceived him as a political opponent opponent, or anyone that didn't believe him in his wife's poisoning or anything like that. He would just have them killed. It didn't matter. And he also created a much-feared, like, organization of bodyguards. They were called... Opricaniki, something like that. O p r i c h n i k i. 
We'll have to get our yeah. resident <laughs> linguist, which is Tim, to interpret that one for us. Definitely. They murdered priest, priests, they ransacked churches, burned government officials alive, and drowned their families in the river. Traders and merchants had their goods seized and their so- stores destroyed. This group was absolutely ruthless. They favored execution. Their favorite execution methods involved boiling alive, impalement, being roasted over an open fire, oh my God. and being torn limb from limb by horses drawn and quartered so yeah See, this, at least this, this, this is unbelievable and apparently this guy i even died from a stroke while playing chess apparently oh my god <laughs> see i mean this guy makes uh rose pierre sound like a saint for just giving people the guillotine yeah why you gotta like, roast people like, over a fire it's a quick death oh i'm gonna roast you over a fire like come on oh dude. my god that one's fucked up i have a terrible i, I feel know. like we could do we could do a full episode on him yeah definitely like who in the hell was the guy to poison his wife because he they poisoned the wrong wife yeah t- <laughs> no shit like jesus could you imagine if this would be like ivan the magnificent <laughs> and this one thing happens and oh he's now ivan the terrible literally because everything that i've read like he was a pretty decent ruler starting yeah. out starting out starting out at least so anyways i got a few honorable mentions i don't have any more big content do you have any more big content for this episode no i have like one more i can do as an honorable mention so a few of my honorable mentions to think about at least are genghis khan yep you know i mean you can't really talk about it without him attila the huns another one that was definitely feared by the romans back in the fall of the roman empire yosef mengel the angel of death during nazi germany and the yep there you i mean i don't i don't want to get into some of these people but that, that guy could easily be talked about um the last podcast on the left has a good series on mangle on my mangle i might yep. need to listen to that one that guy cre- it creeps the shit out of me though. it's it's an older it's an older one but i, I listened to it a while ago it, it's good it's just there's something about that i don't know i don't know what it is they were sick man i don't even understand it fucks it fucks with my head they all had to have been on meth or something, man. Something. <laughs> uh, same regime, but different. Erwin Rommel, the the military commander, the Desert Fox of Nazi Germany, was their their top general back then. He's like their 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 version of like Eisenhower or Patton. Sure. Very feared. And then like even today, I got a couple ones. Putin's feared. Vladimir Putin. He scares the shit out of people. You could say that Kim Jong Un is one of these guys. For sure. George Soros invokes a lot of fear. Yes. I'm scared shitless of him. Me too. Xi Jinping from China again, off the rails character in charge of an entire country. Do you have any any honorable mentions you want to get into? Sure, I got one. Uh, you ever heard of Carlos the Jackal? No. He's one of the world's most wanted terrorists ever. He was born in uh, Caracas, Venezuela, but he ended up converting to Islam, and uh, I'm pretty sure he went to school in the Middle East too. Sure. Uh, but he he joined the the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. Um, he has taken credit for more than 80 murders in his day. Uh, he was nicknamed after the dude from uh, the 1971 novel, Day of the Jackal. You ever read that book? No. Have you? I'm in the process of listening to it at work. Really? I, I, I've had it for like six months now. Really? And I, I, well, I looked up, what's some good, like, like, what's a good, like, action book sure that you know that'll keep me intrigued sure. and day of the jackal came up multiple times i'll so have to check like, that out then yeah it's a pretty famous book i guess but um there's a whole timeline here on cnn of what this guy's done um he's launched multiple attempts assassination attempts on various presidents uh he's killed two french secret agents uh in december of 1975 he took he took 60 to 70 hostages hostages at an opec meeting in vienna wow most were released shortly afterward however a group of 11 hostages and several terrorists leave austria by plane and several make and and make several stops in north africa and everyone was eventually released after a 50 million dollar ransom was paid to him involved in multiple car bombings um, there was a big car bombing in 1982 in Paris that killed one and injured 63 people. He was expelled from Syria. He <laughs> eventually he, expelled from Syria. <laughs> uh, he was eventually captured by the French by French agents in Sudan. He was convicted to a uh, life sentence. Wow! After killing two French secret agents, this guy's still alive. Um, yeah. 
He's still alive. Wow, that's crazy. And he just continues to get charged and sentenced for more <sighs> shit. 2011, he was found guilty killing 11 people in bomb attacks in the 1980s. Um, he was he was uh, he stood trial in 2014 for 1974 grenade attack and killed two people that injured 34. Like the dude, it's just a terrorist. Yeah, went around killing everyone that he could. I have to get. I have to read. I have to read that. Yeah, that there's more into that guy, before. but as an honorable mention. Yeah, I don't that's... know if you'd call them honorable, but dishonorable. <laughs> <laughs> <Just honorable, laughs> yeah, a couple of other ones I have: Jack the Ripper. Nobody ever found him. Yep, definitely scary. BTK killer. More for the persona. This guy was kind of a jackass, but yeah, the persona that he created. David Berkowitz, aka the son of Sam. I mean, you can't say that he wasn't one of the most feared people of all time. Definitely was. Zodiac Killer, Dahmer. Yep. Guys like that. So those are the serial killers that I thought were honorable mentions. Now, Dahmer is probably more of an after-the-fact type thing because his victims weren't exactly being chased after. Right. There wasn't a whole lot of people like, oh my God, I can't, I'm afraid I'm going to kill that were guy. They were lured. Yeah, him. yeah, and then a couple of ones that are more recent. Remember Joseph Coney, the Coney 2012 guy, the Lord's Resistance Army, the African warlord, where they created that whole. Oh yeah, like that whole yep. that, like the like the original influencer movement. Yeah, type thing that <laughs> completely bombed. And, <laughs> And the dude, the dude that founded that ended up like being found like naked and drunk in like a San Francisco alley, <laughs> like unbelievable. Like six months after the whole thing happened, <laughs> Bin Laden obviously for obvious reasons. And then the last one I have is El Chapo Guzman. Nice. So yep. El Chapo. You, you gotta feel like those guys are all. Did we mention Gaddafi? I didn't just because he wasn't he wasn't committing terror acts like he was, but not like on the scale that a lot of these other guys were. But sure, he could go. He could go all day into this. I mean, he could. We could have Hitler. We could have multiple Mussolini. They he could do. Sure, you could probably do some Americans that are in that list. Oh, for sure. So we could go on forever. But I feel like that was a pretty good discussion. Most yeah, few that was people fun. Of all that was time. fun. That Very was fun discussion. Yeah. Very wide ranging. Definitely. Um, I was happy to get Dick Butkus in there because I was thinking about doing an athlete, but I decided I was pretty happy with who I had. You know, the French history is all fucked up. I hate French history. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Dip Buckus between him and like Lawrence Taylor and LT. Yeah, to me, LT is the best defender of all time, probably. But, anyways, thank you guys for listening. Yes, definitely. Thank you for listening. Check us out on Facebook. We'll be having a real, another reel coming up here pretty soon. Yes, I'm really excited for the next reel. Please tweet us at 30 in the comment on our Facebook page, comment on Facebook, share the Facebook, share the show, follow us on Spotify. Sorry. Yes, yes. Follow us on Spotify. You guys know the drill. Please keep forcing all your friends and family to listen to the show. Yes, force them. You know, it's summertime now. Cookout season's coming. Play the podcast during your cookouts, during your bonfires. 100%. No better way to bond around the bonfire than listen to the 4.30 in the morning. Exactly. It, at 4.30 in the morning as well. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> I like that. Yes, please keep listening. Uh, I thought that the time travel episode was very fun. I had a lot of fun with that one. Definitely. Um, we got a lot more content coming out for you soon. We got a big one coming up in a couple episodes. Episode 111 is going to be a big one. Yes, we already have that one planned. Yes, we're excited for that. So in the meantime, please keep sharing the show. Please keep sending in your ideas. Please keep sending in news stories. Thank you to Shad from Ohio for sending in the news story today. Yeah, it's great thank to get you, that, Chad. It's great to get that listener engagement going. Definitely. So on that note, uh, it's about time to uh, probably call it quits for the night. So thank you very much, guys, for listening. Peace. It didn't matter. And he also created a much feared, like, organization of bodyguards. They were called Aprichniki? 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 Something like that. O-P-R-I-C-H-N-I-C-I. Cot. O-P-R-I-C-H-N-I-K-I. We'll have to get our resident (laughs) linguist, which is Tim, to interpret that one for us. Definitely. Also known as Toto the Short in Italian. He was an Italian mobster and chief of the Sicilian Mafia. And... You hear about mob bosses throughout history. You don't hear anything? 
What did you hear? I thought I heard like breathing, but it was her. It sounded like it was coming from you, like heavy, like. That wasn't me. Okay, it sounded like it was coming from that direction. Probably a ghost. God. No, we can't get too too much deeper into this. Right. On this <laughs> thing in your fist over there. No, I hit my elbow. You're right. You need to step out for a little bit. Hit my weenus. Oh, my God. God. Jesus fucking Christ. 